Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and with me is a man who does not take an international roster spot in our lineup. It's producer Mason. How are you doing this week, Mason? I'm good. Um, yeah, luckily we have not instituted an, an internal visa system in this country yet, so... My my immigration status is confirmed. Yeah, no green cards needed <laughs> to play in this league. And also joining us from somewhere in the wilds of uh, the Metro St. Louis area is a man who has signed on to be part of the Chelsea Loan Army. It's Sean Campbell. Hey, 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 don't... How you feeling this week, Don't Sean? Don't be lumping me in with the wrong team from London, all right? Even <laughs> even those gooners up north agree that the Blues are the wrong team. Everyone hates Chelsea. Oh, you'll, you'll never play for Chelsea. You'll just be out on loan. They're loaning you back for the rest of this year to us. <laughs> I, have to, I have to, you know, actually put on my boots first, and that hasn't happened in way too long, so good luck with that one. Yeah, they were going to loan you back. They're going to loan you to the Chicago Fire, but they already used that up loaning out Goga Selena back to uh, the Fire to finish out the season. So you're back with us. Well, we're glad to have you, <laughs> and we're glad to have you, listeners, because we got a big, 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 big show coming up. For that you. is an understatement. <laughs> Matter of fact, it's so big we're going to split this up into uh, two episodes and have a throw-in episode that will drop uh, Friday, Mason. Is the plan. All right. Yeah, we got a special guest this week, our old friend Larry Henry Jr. of SBISoccer.com and more importantly, of uh, writing for MLS Next Pro. Uh, we'll be on to talk about his uh, article last week on uh, the top five players of City 2 that could be joining the first team for the big club when they start up next year. Uh, we also have some other St. Louis City news. City 2 played a game and had a big win. Uh, rule changes in MLS Next Pro. Uh, got a lot to cover. So let's get started. Big news for the big club is uh, this week is uh, St. Louis City SC has signed winger Isaac Jensen. He is an 18-year-old Danish national signed through 2026 with an option for 2027. Not a D DP, but does take one of those valuable international slots. Uh, last played at club level with Danish youth team Sandyerske under-19s, where he scored uh, eight goals. Had a good showing with them. Uh, he's played mostly at the left wing for his team. Uh, Lutz has said that he can play on both sides. I did see some videos of him. He seems to be primarily right-footed. He also has four caps between the Danish youth national team under the under-18s and under-19s. Uh, one goal for each and uh, has an assist with the U-19s. No word that I could find of the transfer uh, price to get him from his uh team in the Danish league. Uh, the club overall is in the second division in in uh, Den Denmark. Uh, right now, his current transfer valuation on transfermarkt.com is uh, $275,000. Interesting uh, post on uh, Twitter and linking to an article, Tom Timmerman of stltoday.com was able to talk to Lutz, find and steal 
uh, about Isaac Jensen. Jensen, got to get that right. <laughs> uh, very good to see the major media in St. Louis finally really starting to break some of this uh, St. Louis City news. We do need them in the market to give us information as they have the access because of the power of their platform. And apparently Lutz has been hot on uh, Jensen for few years since he was 15 years old. Uh, Lutz did say he showed uh, head coach Bradley Carnell videos of Jensen, and he, and this is a quote, saw little shining eyes of Bradley Carnell, uh, knowing that uh, he's a player that uh, he wants to coach and work with. Lutz also says Jensen can play on either side. Uh, There was competition in Europe to sign him, Lutz also said that it wasn't so clear that he was even going to be let go by his team in a transfer, but things changed at the last minute. And thinking of that and being an American, I'm thinking a little more money, a little more money. Uh, Lutz also says scouting is now going to pivot uh, exclusively to the American market. Makes sense. They're filling up the international slots. You need real MLS experience on the squad, and uh, it just makes sense. Uh, and of course, you don't have any Americans right now because MLS is in right dead in the middle of their season, and those players won't be freed up until, uh, say, November of this year, right as we head into the World Cup. Don't know very much about Jensen. Uh, some of the information found in the last uh well, today, for the most part, the conversation with Lutz does seem that uh, he was on the radar of many clubs across Europe and uh, seems pretty excited. He's 18 years old now, will turn 19 in December, so the first season of St. Louis City SC will be his 19-year-old season. Very young, youngest player signed so far to the team, and uh Gives us a winger, an attacking player. I guess they're happy with what they've got so far up the spine with Roman Berkey in goal. Uh, Joachim Nielsen uh, is center back. And then uh, Edward Leuven coming in as a uh, number six box-to-box midfielder. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me, aside from the pivot to North American scouting and uh, starting to look at MLS players, is that this is kind of a continuation of Lutz going and getting guys that he likes. Um, that has been the big running theme of the first team signings, is that these are guys that Lutz has been watching for a while from his time over in Europe. Um, I think even Jao Klaus, he got into the Bundesliga originally and then brought him with him now. So just keeping that rolling. Yeah, it's uh, and you'd expect him to fall back on his expertise Still waiting for any word of anyone, but it's probably a little early in the process of uh, the Latin American players, Central and South America, that uh, seem to adjust so well to MLS better than Europeans do. We're heavy with Europeans now, and uh, players with MLS experience, or both put together, is probably going to be a focus going forward, just my supposition. Yeah, uh, it's it's good to see him switch into the American side so he can, or well, the Western Hemisphere really, so he can get in, you know, really bring together that that merging of of the two sides that he's been talking about for forever now. But uh, I think before it before we pass it up, I want to make sure it's mentioned that uh, 
it could potentially be a big, big bonus. Well, not bonus, but positive that uh, he's going out and getting guys that he knows instead of just getting guys that have a lot of hype about him over in Europe. Um, because that familiarity of coaching and guys that, you know, he's worked with in the past is going to help ease the transition more than likely into this league. Uh, because instead of having to make a transition to a new league and a new coaching style and a new system, it's just the league. Yeah, because if I'm not if I'm remembering this correctly, he said that he's not in pursuit of a big splash signing. He wants to get people that he knows that he likes and that are going to be good, solid players. Yeah, and he knows these players and uh, the style of play he wants to do is really a component coming out of uh, RB Leipzig, Ralph Ragnick in this high-pressing style. Uh, so it's played a lot in Germany. So you're probably going to get a lot of not necessarily German players. There's only one on this roster. But Bundesliga players and European players are used to this style. So that's a good sign. Now it's time to fill it in with something that plays more American, more comfortable. And it's a natural progression. I've made this joke before, but he wants blue-collar blue lunch pail guys. <laughs> yeah, and he said as much. I've heard him on a, who was it? That was on the This Is Silly podcast with the St. Luligans. I, I believe, believe so, yeah. That. Uh, and also with the fact that, you know, Roman Berkey's already over here. You're going to get some of these international signings. Gives them a chance to work on their green card, which could free up international slots. Don't necessarily, that does not necessarily mean that there'll be more international signings, especially from Europe. But it is a key. It's a the part of the benefits of having a head start like this for City. Another head big head start for St. Louis City SC is the ability to already play in MLS Next Pro against other uh, development developing players in MLS, and well, City too. You know, a lot of people playing for a chance on that first team roster gets a little incentive. Maybe a little difference in the age of the signings and the players for City 2, but they're rolling. Big win this week. They went up to Minnesota, if you remember, after the U.S. Open Cup loss uh, to Louisville City. That went all the way to penalty kicks. They had to come back on short rest with a rotated side. Played uh, Minnesota United FC 2 at home and got rolled, basically, 4-0 in that one. Uh, revenge is the sweetest taste. It all started when, uh, it looked like it was going to start off very sweet very early when Wang Kuzang, uh, earned himself a penalty in the eighth minute, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Max Schneider, uh, took the kick, uh, pretty nice save on a low, uh, shot to the right by the, uh, goalkeeper Smear, I believe is his name, for, uh, MNUFC2 which the announcer kept saying. It seems like it's so much easier to just say Minnesota United FC2. These teams are a mouthful, man. (laughs) In in a league, MLS Next Pro, yeah, there's a lot going on here. Uh, Hard for us that work is verbally, you know, (laughs) for our our food. Uh, In the 20th minute, just a beautiful play, uh, got a pass on a break josh dolan got on the end of it had a beautiful chip over the goalkeeper and that gave uh st louis city the eventual one nil lead and uh it was quite a play oh that that was gorgeous um 
Unfortunately, uh, MLS Next Pro's website is not playing nice at the moment. I wasn't able to pull up who assisted on that goal. But beautiful chip pass. Doling plays it off the volley, pokes it right in uh, top top far corner. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis City, too, was able to take the 1-0 lead into halftime because of a huge goal line stop by, I believe it was Pompeu, but I could be wrong. I in thought the it was second minute. I could be wrong. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, with the camera angle, it's impossible, almost impossible to see who it was uh, on the field. But the, yeah, that goal line stop was massive. That was, was in huge. the 42nd, wasn't it? Yeah. That's what you got in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the second half, it was pretty much the same. Uh, Minnesota United FC2 had a lot of chances in this game. Uh, they've got some attack. Their counter press is really dynamic and caused some problems. St. Louis City, too, was able to really take advantage. We're much more prepared for it this time around and on the road. And eventually they took the uh, two-goal lead in the 71st minute. Sergio Rivas had just come on. He scores a goal. That was a nice, well-played goal. Uh, then... As happens with MLS Next Pro, the camera cut out. <laughs> yeah, we lost the stream. And then shortly after we lost the stream, Jason Ramones scores for Minnesota. Uh, don't know what happened because we couldn't see it. <laughs> yeah, relying on FOTMOB for that, that was in the 78th minute. Uh, but after that, St. Louis City 2 held on, got the victory as we watched the seconds countdown on FOTMOB. The stream did come back after FOTMOB gave us the notification that the game was over. <laughs> Thank you, MLS Next Pro, uh, for that. Uh, and this moves City 2 to first overall on the table, not just in the Western Conference, but in the league as a whole. And uh, good showing. Big win on the road. Their road record is fantastic. Impeccable. Yeah, five zero oh, and one, and that one is that overtime win against the Rapids too. Well, the shootout point, well, however you want to call it. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call it overtime now because that's basically what it is. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like going to the shootout in hockey. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you got any thoughts on the, this game or anything you've seen uh, there, Sean? Uh, yeah, from the amount of time that I could actually watch because the stream, you know cut out as it does at every time we score because i guess they don't like the fact that we scored um <laughs> but anyway from what i got to see of this game um after realizing we weren't actually going to be doing a twitter spaces about it um <laughs> uh i did end up seeing it you know minnesota came out and they had another early press very 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 early in the game in the first couple of minutes and they had a couple of chances but they weren't really super duper dangerous but it definitely got my heart going a little bit there was there was one that was really dangerous and we got bailed out big time by Creek. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This was a screamer just pegged for going up upper 90 and he just pokes it up and over. If that's I think that's the one you're talking about. Um but they they had some good chances, but after that it was it was all city. The high press did very well. Um especially at, you know, whenever Minnesota got uh, whenever they got possession and tried to turn up field, they were dispossessed in the midfield. They got the ball taken out of their feet. Anytime we came down and had a, a you know good pressure in the box, if you know if a shot was turned away, 
they try to turn it upfield and again we dispossess him in the final third uh the midfield impeccable this game as well um just absolutely loved seeing their game uh lots of lots of foot skills going on the passes were incisive um getting into the second half though minnesota kind of took a little bit of the the momentum away and it became a little bit more back and forth uh and that, that at least from the you know 15 20 minutes that i got to see of the second half but but yeah no it was definitely it it's definitely what i've come to become accustomed to seeing from city two on the on the games and it's i I hope to see more of it to come and maybe you know maybe we can get another clean sheet here soon while also high pressing but it was all in all a good effort by both sides but in the end the toonies had to come out and not get the win which is what happened toonies (laughs) toonies <laughs> toonies yeah we're <laughs> i love to come up with these pun names we uh, already got Vantu. there was a little difference uh, it, it seemed a little uh tactical tweak it looked like uh the wings were a little further out getting uh chalk from the uh touchline onto their boots and it seemed to give city two a more wide open style whether that had something to do with what uh, their opponent was giving them i don't know uh but uh uh, Coach John Hapworth had talked about trying to f- change the way that they play. They create so many chances, but they haven't been finishing. Maybe they're trying to create more space, get a little more width. Also in this match, which we didn't see during when the stream cut out, Vitor Diaz returned from his now found out. It's a foot injury that he's been out for. Uh, very good to see him back. That adds even more uh, power to the attack going forward. Absolutely, because Diaz has been lights out. There's a... These City 2 players are good, aren't they? Yeah, they are, they are good. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, while we're still talking about the the wings playing out a little bit more wide, uh, it's not just adding power into the attack, it's adding extra dimension into it. Uh, you don't want to be that team that's literally, all right, we've got these two guys that dribble it up and put a ball into this one guy, and that's the strategy, uh, because then you're easily shut down and put put away. But if you've got multiple points of attack from all different sides, all different points in the field that you could be dangerous from, um, getting getting wide out on the wings and being dangerous from there, and it, being able to switch the point of attack at any given moment is a very important part to this to the strategy. And they they definitely showed that they can do that very well. Yeah, um, because I'm remembering back to early on in the season, we weren't necessarily like only like that target guy kind of team, but we did very much only have really one shape. So it's nice to see now that we can kind of change our formation a little bit and get a little bit more space moving upfield. Dare I call it verticality. (laughs) So we know where the team stands. Uh, They're creating a lot of chances. They're getting a lot of key passes. They're not scoring. They're scoring goals. Uh, but they're not at the top of the charts uh, for goal scoring in MLS Next Pro like they are at the top of the table. And I'll take top of the table over scoring more goals than anyone else. Uh, but some of the players are also ranking. You got any information on that for us, Mason? Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, if you've watched these games, you know that a lot of our players are really good. But specifically, two are charting very highly on like personal stats uh, league-wide. Uh, Josh Doling. Uh, pod favorite is tied for fifth in the league with the most goals at seven. That puts him behind um, Dennis for NYCFC two, Camungo for North Texas, and Rayo uh, with uh, Rochester, uh, who are tied for third. 
And then Lynn for Orlando and Russell Rowe for Columbus uh, are tied at first. Um, now, if you go on the MLS Next Pro website and you pull up like the league leaders, it puts Doling at six goals. But then if you pull up his player page, it has him at seven. <laughs> so some witchcraft and wizardry is happening here. I'm going with the seven because I like Josh Doling and I'm putting him at fifth. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> first season in a tier three league. We got a tier three website here. And, and uh, probably only us in St. Louis are really, really <laughs> catching all these errors. Yeah. Uh, but also charting is uh, Celio Pompeu, third overall uh, for key passes. Um, he's been really, really critical in that midfield position, getting possession, putting through balls in, and is a big part of why we're generating so many chances. And uh, at this point, it seems like the perfect time to go ahead and uh, speak with Larry Henry Jr., a little talk about MLS Next Pro and City 2. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about St. Louis City SC and other things, and time to talk to Larry. We'll see you on the other side. And uh, we're very, very pleased to welcome back uh, old friend and frequent guest Larry Henry Jr. If you haven't heard him on our show before or unaware, he's a managing editor for uh, SBISoccer.com, and he's picked up some work being a staff writer for MLSNextPro.com. He's like the James Brown of the beautiful game. He's the busiest man in the soccer biz. It's Larry Henry Jr. How are you doing today, Larry? Hey again, uh, I'm doing well. Um, obviously enjoying the, the busy months of summer and trying to get a little re relaxation in there. But with all the tournaments and with all the scheduling, there's literally no time for relaxation. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's great to be back with you again. And um, I know you guys are uh, excited getting closer to that kickoff date for uh, St. Louis City SC. Yeah, it's uh, really starting to ramp up, starting to get the feel for it. Roman Berkey's already in town and uh, doing some training with the uh, MLS Next Pro with City 2 already. So things are really starting to ramp up for us on this end. And uh, we're really excited because St. Louis City uh, is uh, getting such a head start on all this. Because of the delay from COVID, it's really pushed the window back to where they can get it set up. Unlike, uh, you know, MLS teams, expansion teams in the past, a little more ramp up time. One reason we wanted to bring Larry on is uh, a lot of you may have noticed he had an article last week on MLSNextPro.com. And it uh, broke down the uh, five of the top players on the City 2 roster that uh, he thought would... Uh, make a make it into uh, the first team when they start up the season. Uh, why don't you give us a rundown of some of the names you had on there, Larry, and, and, and uh, some quick thoughts. Yeah. So um, yeah, I got, got a pretty cool assignment to break that down. And um, you know, I've been able to watch a lot of the league in general and also, you know, see what kind of what the um, you know, the atmosphere is around St. Louis uh, city too. Um, and see how that kind of translates into into the first team next year. But um, starting at number five, I had Josh Doling, the forward who um, 
from out of the former college standout from Missouri State. Um, you know, he's been uh, the go-to guy offensively this season. I know he just, um, I think, just scored again over the weekend, and mm-hmm. uh, I think his uh, overall ability is, you know, it, it's tough to find good. You know, it's always tough to find good forwards, but I think. Um, you know, he's done extremely well in MLS Next Pro that I think he warrants an opportunity with the first team. He does a lot of good things with the ball, without the ball, um, and I think is a is a good story uh, to have, um, you know, you know, in that roster. He, you know, I think he he already you can already see from him, you know, what they what they expect from him. And I think as a, um, you know, as a professional, you want to get up to that that highest level. So I think be a good guy to, to have in that mix or when they they continue to build this first team roster. Um, number four, I had Max Schneider, the the midfielder, um, who I thought was a really cool story because, uh, you know, played collegiately at Marshall University um, with uh, his team at Vitor Diaz, uh, who's also on my list. But so they both were at Marshall and um, Schneider's actually – uh, a former youth player with Bayer Leverkusen in the German Bundesliga. So it's not that not that often you find MLS Next Pro players or really any MLS Next player or MLS players that young that are coming from German academies. So um, he's done really well, I think, in the midfield for St. Louis City too. Um, when I wrote the article, three goals and three assists uh, in 11 appearances, but I know probably some of those stats have gone up since then. Um, Looking at number three, I had Vitor Diaz, his teammate at Marshall. Um, he's 24 years old. Uh, has been one of the better attacking midfielders in Next Pro. Um, and I think, uh, again, you're, you're, you want guys that want to represent the crest, represent the city, represent the franchise. And I think all three of these guys and, and the last two guys that I'm going to mention have, have all done that. So Diaz mm-hmm. and Schneider would be two really good midfield options. Um, second, uh, Juan Cousin, the, the former sporting KC, uh, Academy player, uh, 23 years old, I think, um, you know, was in kind of a intriguing situation because when he left sporting KC or wasn't brought back, it was up to him to find a new opportunity. And I think he's done, uh, really well for, for John Hackworth, uh, this season, uh, at the time, again, of the article two two goals and three assists at that point, but really creative, um, really does a lot of good things uh, setting up his teammates. So um, I think he's a guy that has a chip on his shoulder that wants to get back to MLS and um, kind of show that show not only Sporting KC, but other clubs that, you know, he belongs there. Uh, and number one, I think he's been one of the best, you know, center backs in MLS next pro. That's Josh Yarrow. Um, I was, you know, grateful to to watch Josh Yarrow when he got drafted by the, the Philadelphia Union, which uh, which is, you know, near where I live. And, um, you know, I think he's bounced around throughout his career, but overall, I think, you know, him and John Hackworth have some familiarity, uh, together. I think he, you know, he's a guy that again, like Kuzane wants to get back to MLS kind of show not only the union, but other teams that, that he belongs there. And, um, you know, finding a, a, a center back piece, you can build the back line around is tough to do, but I think Yarrow is, is an exception because he's just does a lot of good things in the air, winning duels, playing out of the back and, um, just his leadership, you know, I know he's 27 years old now. So, um, you know, he's one of the older guys in this next pro league, but, uh, I think deserves another chance at MLS. So those were the the five guys that I kind of targeted for, um, who we could see on the, the first team roster next spring. Yeah. It's a pretty good comprehensive list. I don't think anybody'd have any 
Any qualms with it. Uh, Josh Yarrow is an interesting one. There's some confusion here because when he signed, we were on the impression that he was actually signing an MLS contract. But now when they list the roster, he's never listed. Don't know if it may have been a supplemental MLS contract. We're still trying to figure this out. The rumors are that uh, Kuzain could be under a similar sort of signing. But uh, yeah, that one we haven't figured out and we don't have any definitive word from the club yet. Yeah been trying to find that myself i haven't had too much luck um you know finding that out if 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 he just kind of automatically gets up to that first team or he has to you know perform for that opportunity and, and sign a new deal but again i did the same thing i think you guys did looking at the the roster on the website and didn't see him there and um i think for him it, it maybe it's a situation where st louis city wanted to see what he could offer in a one year in next pro and um, and then see, you know, kind of where he's at at the end of the season. And, um, you never know with a guy like him. Cause like I said, like I said, he's 27, maybe there's some opportunity like that could come up if he were to play like a, you know, I don't know, in Europe or in a lower league in Europe or, you know, you never know what can happen, how fast things can, or can happen. Offers can come on the table, but, um, yeah, I think Yara would be a, a good leadership piece to have, um, with, with what they've already started signing for the first team. Yeah. It, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's contingent upon what his position is going to be on who they're able to land with the roster build. They've been able to land Joaquin Nielsen from uh, the Bundesliga uh, at Armenia Bielefeld when they got uh, relegated. Uh, maybe it's just a sign of uh, they got Yarrow down, signed as a contingency. He'll be on the roster starting or supplemental or just be a leader of city two under his contract yeah we're not sure on that but he's definitely shown the leadership as you mentioned uh to really make a play for that first team and he's been quite good on the field the whole team has been his partner on the back line kyle hebert is probably would be my number six on your list if i had one he's been quite good as well yeah, Hebert Hebert's definitely impressed me for sure. Um he was I think when I wrote the article I did get maybe it was you guys and some other folks that even messaged me and said, you know, where's where's Kyle Hebert? And I remember watching I think it was the Open Cup game when they played uh Louisville City and I thought he was great that night against the team that just kind of dominated them for 120 minutes. Um so yeah, he would be probably a 5A, 5B with with Doling and and Hebert, but um you know, Hebert I think you know, again, a little bit younger than than Yaro, maybe, you know, could play his way into that first team a little easier than Yaro just because of the age difference. Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, I feel like um, possibly another player that I would put as like a number six or a number seven on that list might be Celio Pompeu, who I think has been quite good for uh, in the midfield as well. Yeah, there's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of good players on this city <laughs> team. That's why they're top of the standings. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I I just want to say I think I th at least when I read the article it seemed like you were you were coming at it from a point of view as who could make that first team first season you know coming up next year uh, when in reality we could easily see a lot of these guys within the next couple of years as they progress as players in city at city two and then move up um, and one of those guys that I think would be able to do that would be Paolo Zolo. I think he's had an absolutely wonderful year that, you know at city two and I would love to see him play for the hometown team. Oh. Yeah. I think both the guys you mentioned, I mean, 
you know, not even um, even looking at their we look at their stats. They're they're up there. You know, both contributed goals. Both have played. Um, you know, a lot of minutes. I know Pompeo's played over a thousand minutes now uh, this season. So yeah, I think there's a lot of guys, and I'm sure too there'll definitely be some some other guys in the mix too. When you look at um, you know how young they are, and you know, can they kind of continue that development? Because I know St. Louis City SC is going to want to come out the gates uh, like any expansion team swinging. Um, but obviously, you know, you guys know too, and we've seen it every year with the other teams like Austin, um, you know, Cincinnati, and some others. You know, the the reality and expectations sometimes are are definitely, you know, few and far between. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's good time to get excited. Uh, you know, like like baseball fans in spring training before the actual real games start. <laughs> and it's part of the glory of a uh, expansion in MLS. You just don't get this anywhere else in the world much at all. Uh, some competition for these. Uh, St. Louis CAA, you probably caught it. Uh, just signed. What was it yesterday? Eighteen-year-old uh, Danish uh, youth international uh, Isaac Janssen, a winger. Uh, they seem to be pretty high on him. Don't know too much about him, but uh, he's of the age that uh, would be added to this group. Uh, haven't got any word yet if he's going to be in to play with City 2 at the end of the season. You really don't know too much about him. Tried to look into it. But uh, with some of the builds, and most of them all being international because of the time frame, uh, what's your overall feeling of how uh, Luch Feinensteel, the sporting director, has started to set up the uh, the team so far. I think he's done, you know, a really, um, really good job, a really unique job trying to find these players, right? Because I think from, you know, from afar, you know, if it was like one of us in that situation where we're picking players and we're looking at financials and how much he can bring in, you know, we, you know, at least for me, I'd be looking at, you know, who are the who are the guys that are you know maybe most willing to come? Who you know who can make an impact right away? Um, but it looks like that Lutz is is trying to build you know a sort you know build that um, chemistry within the franchise. Um, you know if that makes sense, kind of like where you know of course you want the best players, but you also want players again that are going to represent the city, represent the team, and and play the way that that Bradley Carnell wants them that this team to play um you know next season and i think that obviously you know roman berkey's kind of the standout because we know him from his his long time with borussia dortmund and playing in big competitions and and um you know uh playing with the swiss swiss national team but i think there's a lot of unique uh you know talents with these signings Joachim nielsen like you said was with bielefeld um i think brings a lot of experience uh, Jao Klaus, uh, the forward, I think he's a, another unique signing that, um, you know, could fly under the radar a little bit. Um, uh, I think Jensen, like, like you had, uh, previously mentioned, he's a young talent, um, you know, not met much senior game time in, in Denmark, but, um, really impressed with the, uh, U19 team there, uh, in, in Denmark. So, uh, I'm really liking the roster for sure. Um, obviously there's still a lot of moves that, that need to be made. Cause when you, you put the depth chart on a piece of paper, there's still, you know, some holes there and then who you're going to bring up from city two as well. But I think so far, uh, you know, if you're a St. Louis city SC fan, um, you know, it's exciting for sure. Watching the piecing, uh, of the roster, you know, starting to 
you know, decide what jersey you're going to get and, and everything. So um, I think there's a lot of good talent, a lot of, um, you know, good experience from different international leagues, which which is good. You don't want the same guys from the same league. And obviously there's there's guys there that have played in the Bundesliga that Lutz knows from his time there. So, um, you know, he's probably not only watched these guys, but talked to players, teammates and coaches and scouts and um, you know, get gotten the, the best players, I think, for this uh, this project. So I'm really excited to see it all come together and, and see, you know, obviously who else they can still get, who comes from City 2, who they can get, in, you know, in the draft and everything. And, um, you know, it'll be really exciting next spring to, to see it all kind of piece together and, um, you know, get to see them uh, under the bright lights for the first time. Yeah. Um, and you had touched on this. Um, I think a big thing has been that Lutz has been able to go and get some of the guys that he had his eyes on from his time in the Bundesliga and in Europe um, and guys that other people maybe weren't so high on in Europe, but he was able to snatch away because he liked them. Yeah, uh, he actually brought Jao Klaus to Germany. And uh, he did say with uh, Jensen that uh, he'd had his eye on him since he was 15 years old and brought it to the attention of the staff. Uh, the one I've got my eye on is the uh, signee the out of contract at uh, Kern in the Bundesliga, had been out on loan as a uh, 22-year-old attacking midfielder Thomas Ostrak. I've heard a lot of great things about him, so looking forward to him. What's got me excited is him setting down Roman Berkey and goalkeeper and Joachim Nielsen uh, on the back line, and then... Uh, Edward Leuven, that they've said, uh, is a box-to-box midfielder, but they're going to slot in and it's six. So it makes me wonder if they might be looking at a double pivot there because of what he's doing uh, and uh, his attacking prowess. But, uh, yeah, one other one uh, from the academy ranks is somebody you might be aware of being a Union fan is uh, Aaron Hurd that they were able to get out of the academy. What is he? He's now 16. Uh, he's already got some game time with City too, not that much, but everybody's high on them as well as someone you can keep an eye on out there as you watch the league as a whole, Larry. Yeah. Yeah. I think Hurd's a pretty uh, intriguing talent for sure. 15 years old. Um, like you said, hasn't played tons. I think it's a little over a hundred minutes so far in next pro, but, um, again, the, the, the kid's 15. So it's just like it you know, boggles my mind seeing these guys play regularly uh, in a competitive league like this. And then, you know, in a few months or even in like a year, you hear them knocking on the door of the first team. So um, definitely a lot of things to be excited about for sure. Yeah. And uh, it's not a coincidence that you got a couple of people coming from the Union Academy because Lutz's playing style is going to be some of that high press, uh, chaotic, maybe more than the Union, more like the Red Bulls. But uh, uh, the Union didn't really uh, impress with the defense this past week. What happened to the offense? They just scored more goals in one game against United than they had scored in the, what, the previous two months? Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it was uh, it was funny because I wasn't even in front of the TV when when the game was happening. I was uh, kind of out and about, and um, I just happened to be somewhere that had a uh, TV, and I they had the game on, and I saw it was 
was it five nothing at at halftime and um yeah it was uh i think it was a game where again dc united's not obviously we know wayne rooney is going there now and we'll kind of tighten things up a little bit but you know it's a game that you'd expect the union to win obviously they're going to be in the mix for the Eastern Conference and, and maybe even the Supporter Shield uh, this season, um, but it's a game that fans I know were, you know, kind of itching to see because they they have the offensive talent to score goals. They brought in Julie, Julian Carranza on loan, who has done exceptionally well for them, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know in a few months from now we're talking about him as a permanent Union player if they trigger that that purchase option from inner Miami, um, you know, which is reportedly $500,000, which I think is insanely low for a talent like that. Yeah, that would be a um, steal. And, uh, but you know, they have that talent. They, you know, Jim Curtin's a guy that, um, you know, he wants, to, he wants to be kind of defensive first, uh, get clean sheets, um, you know, build out of the back. Um, yes, they play that high pressing, um, which is, which is, uh, which is great because they have the players to do it. Um, and they just kind of just never took the foot off the gas, which is something in the past that the union would do. You would see them kind of grind out these one up nothing wins or they'd hold. I think it was four games in a row earlier this summer, four or five in a row where they had the lead and they lost it and they ended up having to settle for a for a draw. I remember talking one on one with Nathan Harriel, the right back last week and he was saying that that you know he was hoping that the second half of the season they could just you know keep the foot on the gas and, and really just kind of wear teams down and and you saw that um you know by halftime the, the match was won and they were still going for goals in the second half Carranza easily could have had five or six by the end of the night so um good performance from them and needed three points in the east which is starting to really kind of there's a lot of moving and shaking at the top between them, the Red Bulls, NYCFC, um, you know, some other teams as well. So um, it's going to be fun to watch. And uh, but I know the Union fans are definitely definitely ha- happy with that win, getting seven goals. Um, at that point, you're like, all right, save some for next week, guys. We got yeah. Miami on. We got Miami on Wednesday night, and we got uh, the Revs coming into town. Uh, this coming Saturday. So it doesn't get any easier. That busy summer schedule just rolls on. Yeah, it's coming thick and fast. Uh, well, that, yeah, just rolled over DC United. It, you know, you get Ali Bedoya scoring that great team goal and then Carranza with the bicycle kick. And at that point, it looked like DC United just quit. Uh, don't expect that to happen when Wayne Rooney is coached, though. That would be embarrassing for those players to do it for them. Uh, for a guy like that, and uh, <laughs> with what he did at DC United as a player, you better bet they're all going to track back on a breakaway, don't you think? Yeah, I uh, I don't expect DC United to to concede probably more than you know four, three or four goals uh, in a game the rest of the season, just because I think Wayne Rooney is going to be um, you know drilled, ready to go, uh, get this team back to you know, playing, competing in every match. Um, you know, it was funny because the game before the, they traveled to the union, they had that five goal, five to three win in Orlando against Orlando city. And I'm thinking, Oh, maybe this kind of, you know, flips the switch a little bit, you know, Taxi Funtas is scoring goals. He's in the all-star game now. Um, you know, he's kind of the go-to guy. Maybe they can get something going and then they just kind of capitulate and fall right back down again. 
Um, you know, I think the roster there is good enough to at least compete for a playoff spot. I just, I don't know if it's good enough to really get in the playoffs and make a big splash. Um, but I think Rooney's the type of guy that, you know, we've all seen him as a player and what he brings to the field and, you know, kind of, you know, wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think he's going to, he's done that as a coach, you know, at Darby County. And it's unfortunate that they, they had a, you know, they suffered relegation and, you know, with all the financial issues there, but um, I think this is a new opportunity for, for Wayne and, and a new kind of chapter in the DC United book, because um, again, this is a historic team. They've won, you know, they, they've competed for trophies, they've won trophies and um, they want to get back to where they belong. So I think you're going to see a lot more fight out of them, you know, going forward. I, I, I don't know when Rooney's going to be out there, obviously still waiting for his, his visa, but um, you know, I mean, hopefully they don't concede another seven goals this week, or he might uh back out of that. <laughs> That's true. On the other hand, uh, Darby County is such a you know mess as a club that uh, uh, he's probably itching to get back into uh, MLS where there's some financial uh, you know stability. Uh, interested in knowing how he worked it out in the household since uh, reportedly one reason why he left was uh, his family was not happy in the D.C. area. Uh, haven't heard any word on how that's working out. Yeah, I I don't. Um, I've heard the same thing you have. And, yeah, I'm curious is, is um, you know, to what happened and how he kind of got that uh, turned around because, you, pro- I, you know, I kind of would have thought that there would have been some English teams knocking on the door, uh, you know, for Rooney after he left Derby County, unless he had this kind of in his, his mind for the past, you know, since the end of the championship season, what to come back to MLS. But I mean, wasn't he, he was also, wasn't he also linked with Everton at one point? Yeah, he was. I don't think he was that high, uh, though. I think he did an exceptional job with Derby County, uh, but I know David Goss of uh, Extra Time Radio and MLS Soccer, uh, he, he seems to think that uh, Wayne Rooney did want to come back. Uh, he's the only one I've heard, but uh, that's interesting. I kind of wonder that, too, if he thought MLS is a good next step for his coaching career to come back. He kind of has at least a little knowledge of how the uh, the machinations of MLS work, and that's got to help a little bit, uh, even just as coach. Uh, thanks for all the time, Larry. I uh, don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, uh, there's a lot going on in MLS in the summer transfer window. I just wanted to pick your brain and see if there's any one particular transfer or development that uh, is standing out for you to look forward to going forward the rest of the season. Well, I mean, uh, obviously there's been some some big moves. Obviously, Gareth Bale and, and Georgia Cianolini coming to LAFC is a uh, it's a huge chapter for the club and, and for the league. Obviously, LAFC has been, you know, doing a great job under Steve Cherundolo. But uh, I, I think the one move that I'm most excited to see, you know, play out is, is Hector Herrera going to the Houston Dynamo because that's a, again, that's a team that, um, you know, has history in this league and and want to be competing. And I think they've done a good job of, you know, winning some 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 good games earlier this season. Um, and I think a guy like Carrera, who again has Champions League experience, international experience with Mexico, um, you know, playing in La Liga, I think he's going to do 
uh, bring a lot to that to that Dynamo team that doesn't have as much as as LAFC does when you at bring you know Bale already into that team that already has Carlos Vela and, and Christian Arango and all these other players. Um, so I think the Herrera signing is is, is the one I'm going to be watching uh, the most. I, I thought the Texas Derby over the weekend was really fun to watch. Oh yeah, um, you know, with the two stoppage time goals, Jesus Herrera getting pelted by beer bottles and enjoying it um you know and then the dynamo scoring in the 101st minute to 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 get a point so and, and tonight's actually and then you know tonight they get austin uh, fc tonight and another texas derby and and all and texas and austin's done a really good job this season so um so i'm, I'm curious to see how how much hector herrera kind of changes the the uh the environment there because um, you know, Houston, the Dynamo want to get back up into those playoff places and uh, maybe a signing like that, I think, could really spark them up the table. No, oh, great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, know you're a busy guy, Larry. So I think we're going to wrap up this interview. But uh, again, just wanted to thank you so much for coming back on our show. Really, really look forward to talking to you and hearing your insight about all things soccer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, always, uh, always happy to be uh, be on with you anytime. Good, good to hear from you guys again. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, off the mic, I'm I'm saving all my my PTO time at work to get out to St. Louis next spring. So uh, we'll uh, hopefully see you guys there, and uh, you know, we'll get a group photo. Make <laughs> That's sure it. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got we got season tickets, so chances are very high that we'll be there. Yeah, we'll have to make a plan for it. Yeah, we look forward to that very much so. All right, thanks a lot, Larry. Larry Henry Jr., folks. Uh, enjoyed it a lot. Take care. Nah, always great to hear, hear from our old friend Larry Henry Jr. You know, I'm not shocked, but I shouldn't be, but I often am surprised just by the breadth of his knowledge. He can bring so much to it. Could talk to him for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Uh, Larry's great. Always like having him on the show. We'll talk to him again sometime in the future. But right now we want to move on as we've got some uh, league news for MLS Next Pro uh, that will affect uh, City 2 going forward. But the first one does not affect City 2 going forward uh but mls next pro has uh announced that they're going to start an mls next pro invitational take place later this month between the 19th and 27th of july uh it'll involve three mls next pro teams and two premier league developmental clubs uh you've got the real monarchs colorado rapids and toronto fc2 signed on uh, they'll play in a little tournament with the Chelsea under-21s and Wolverhampton. The Wolves under-21s will be in in the country for this. It'll take place in Utah. Uh, games will be strived on. Uh, st- strived. <laughs> <laughs> I'm striving my games over here. Yeah. <laughs> they may be, as we found out, yeah. may be streamed in their entirety on MLSDextPro.com. But as usual, don't make any bets on that. <laughs> we'll see if they cut out after every game and after every goal in those games, too. Yeah. Uh, MLS Next Pro did institute a couple of rule changes that were effective immediately, right in the heart, middle of the season. Uh, but uh, I'm kind of intrigued by these. 
Uh, the first one's pretty straightforward with red card suspensions, whether it's through two yellows or a straight red. Uh, the player that gets the penalty will serve as one-game suspension, as well as be taken off the field, he'll serve as one-game suspension against the team that he made the offense against, rather than just automatically in the next game played by his team. According to uh, Senior Vice President of MLS Next Pro, Ali Curtis, that was on the MLS Today podcast, uh, if there's no games during the regular season left with that opponent, then it'll go back to the old style. We'll just serve the game suspension in the next game. But if there is a future game, they want that, you know, benefit of the red card of the, you know, such an offense to be given to the team that the offense was taken against. So not only you go man, you know, get the advantage of being a one man advantage, but you'll also not have to deal with that player in the next game of that season. If the player gets traded or it was stated, then that player would serve it uh, per the rules as just stated. So if he goes to a new team and they're, they play the team he was, you know, did so dirty. Uh, <laughs> dirty, then, uh, dirty. <laughs> Uh, he would do it against them, otherwise it'd be in this next game back. How often some player be traded in MLS Next Pro after getting a red card? Uh, who can say? Yeah. No, I like this rule. I think it's interesting. Um, I don't quite get why they instituted this like mid-season, because there's not a lot of like rematch games left to happen, I don't think. But I uh, I like it, I think. I think once they came up with they're going to make the rule changes, given the next rule change we're going to talk about, they decided just institute both. Because the next one, I can see why. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I was I was going to say, I definitely think the only reason we're hearing about this now as opposed to in between seasons is because they were already going to put in the next rule change and they figured, eh, may as well announce it now. It's not going to affect anybody now. And ultimately, it it's only if it's only within uh, rematch games in the same season. So effectively it doesn't change too much, but if there's a chance for it to affect a team, they're going to make it happen. But if it, if it, you know, in nine times out of 10, it's probably not going to end up being any different in execution than it already is. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and this is complicated, but the second rule change is called the off-field treatment rule, I believe is what they're officially, or what we will call it, let's put it that way. Officially, the name of this rule for the Soccer Capital Podcast. Let's put it that way. Uh, this comes into play because if you watch the uh, City 2 loss to the Rapids at home, like the only loss they've taken in months, uh there was a lot of gamesmanship and time wasting and rolling around on the ground by uh, Rapids 2 players. But under these new rules, any players who are down injured for longer than 15 seconds, the uh, referee on the field will wave on the medical crew who will come in and evaluate the player and then assist the player off of the field. 
and then begin treatment, you know, unless immediate treatment's needed, then that player, once this is instituted, that player must remain off the field for three full minutes. At least, yeah. Yeah. Uh, until the referee gets a chance to wave the player on. So it's a minimum of three minutes, and then the next stoppage in play, I imagine. It's not like hockey where you, you just pop back on. Yeah, Here I am. <laughs> not, yeah we're not yeah, instituting line changes. <laughs> yeah, uh, Players can be down and not require medical treatment uh, if, like... Uh, as Ali Curtis said on the podcast I listened to, you know, if you get studs to the shin, you get your foot stomped on, you might need more than 15 seconds, but you don't need the medical crew to come on. They could alert the referee, let them know, you know, give a brother a moment uh, and play will go ahead and continue after 15 seconds or right away. And that player is just out of the play. Till gets his self together and uh, can continue on per normal. But uh, basically that, yeah, like so that they don't have to come all the way off and wait that full three minutes just to like catch their breath. But the referee, if they deem it safe to do so, we can restart play immediately. Players can also voluntarily remove themselves from the field of play. Uh, they won't have to serve the three minutes. They can get treatment by the medical crew Though I imagine they would then have to be waved on as well. I don't have definitive on that, but I imagine so. I believe that's correct, is that yeah. they don't have to wait the full three minutes, but cannot enter until a stoppage. Yeah, this isn't overriding those existing rules. You always need to be waved back on. There are exceptions to the three minutes off-field rule. Uh, there's medical incidents involving head injuries, cardiac events, concussions, or life-threatening events. I, a couple of these I don't understand. So they come off, they got a life-threatening event, but they're free to come back on, you know, in a minute. No, what that means is that they don't need to be taken off before they receive treatment. Okay, all right. They can receive on-field treatment if it's one of these things, because, like, you don't want to be moving around somebody who has a concussion, and if it's, like, a seizure or a heart problem or something else... They require immediate treatment and can't really wait to be moved. Yeah, and with the concussion rules, that's an overriding rule that they need to be looked at by medical staff as well. That's already an existing rule. Uh, there's rules in play for that, so they already have to come off the field for evaluation in most cases as well. So that's already covered. Another exception is an injury to a goalkeeper. I guess you just don't substitute in goalkeepers. Uh, injury regarding a potential penalty kick taker, which kind of goes under the next one as well. Any any injury that occurs is due to a play that uh, gets a booking. So if you're subject to a yellow card or a red card offense and you get injured, you know, you're not going to be put into jeopardy because of essentially penalized yeah. for receiving a penalty. penalized <laughs> for somebody that got a booking on the it an illegal play basically and uh collision of two players on the same team okay i understand this is really really what they're going for here is kind of speed up the effective time of play where the ball's actually in action on the field 
but mostly to stop the gamesmanship, stop the rolling around, uh, playing around, play acting, trying to get a call, and then getting embarrassed and continue to roll around. As we said, we saw that the Rapids 2 using that technique in that game in uh, Edwardsville. And you just you just see it all the time in every league, honestly. Yeah. And it's boring. <laughs> and one final exception is if a player is bleeding. I think if they're bleeding quite a bit, they need medical treatment anyway and need to be removed from the field and remove the blood from their jerseys and whatnot. If, but I also presume that's so that they can be managed before they're moved if it's uh, pretty serious bleeding. So that's the rule changes in MLS Next Pro. On that uh, podcast, it was initially a Twitter space with uh, David Goss and Susanna Collins of MLSsoccer.com, the MLS Today uh, podcast. Ali Curtis also mentioned that next season, all the MLS clubs will be coming the fold for MLS Next Pro. And uh, they're also in negotiations with uh, independent teams like Rochester that's already in to join the league next season. And already today, that's already starting to move forward. Nashville SC announced uh, they will have an MLS Next Pro next season that will play in Huntsville, Alabama. Any comments on that? Well, Huntsville is about two hours away from Nashville, um, so it's not like tremendously far away. It's a little bit further than I think most MLS Next Pro teams are from their parent club. But um, I think the the most interesting thing about this is that I found out that the mayor of Huntsville is named Tommy Battle. Because <laughs> I saw I was just kind of skimming through the press release and then I saw Mayor Battle capitalized and I'm like, what? What's a mayor battle? <laughs> that tickled you. You know, he shouldn't be mayor. He should be the coach of uh, Ballistics SC. <laughs> yeah. That would Ballistics make me so happy. <laughs> But uh, interesting sidebar, I've seen a little comments on Twitter, not too much, uh, just before I got on air and started recording, that USL League One was looking at the Huntsville market for a team. And MLS had said that MLS Next Pro would not be a head-to-head competition against third-tier USL. But apparently in this case, you know, it's bound to happen. Competitive markets... But it's uh, interesting that Nashville goes out of their own city to pull in a uh, possible USL uh, League One uh, town market uh, to place their team so far away from home. Maybe more light will be shed going forward because this just came down today. Mm -hmm. I was going to say the only thing I can see this really being any sort of benefit to them or to the league is it could potentially expand their recruiting territory um, as far as finding homegrowns uh, to come into their academy and then work themselves up through the next pro team um, by going a little further away. As long as they're not impeding actively on another team's, you know, declared territory, but having another place a little further out, just have a little further reach with guys that are can get to further sections of their homegrown territory. I think that could be a, Potential benefit. I think that might be the more likely explanation than the, oh, we're trying to compete with USL. That could be possible, though there was intimations made on the latest episode of Allocation Disorder podcast. Uh, I don't remember if it was Sam Stasekal or Paul Tonorio, but one of them said 
that they're kind of hearing that uh, the homegrown rule might be going away or drastically changed. So Interesting. How soon? Yeah. That's something that really needs to be changed, especially when you're expanding like this. Uh, especially when you got markets like Kansas City and St. Louis now starting to overlap. Uh, it's just a silly rule, to be quite honest. And with the growth of the academies and the power of them in the international market, is it really necessary anymore? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I never very well understood the the homegrown territories thing, but it just kind of felt like teams trying to like monopolize youth talent. So unambitious teams holding on to people in their backyard so they don't get embarrassed. I think was really the whole thing behind that. If I remember correctly, when it first came about, it was less of hoarding the talent and more of ensuring that certain markets would actually be able to, like smaller market teams, would be able to actually have some sort of a uh, a guaranteed area where they could scout youth players oh. to to come into their academies. Um, and and just players so like in they did all get sniped by like big yeah. money teams. Like yeah, Red make sure Bulls. the big money teams don't come into the middle of the United States and just offer a wad of cash and say come play over here on the coast instead. Thus making the other the teams that didn't have a lot of money at the time, you know meaning they actually have a player pool to draw from that's set to them and guaranteed for them. But I think nowadays we're at a point where we, we can modify it. So you could, it's a little easier to pull players from outside of your quote unquote recruiting territory. Uh, how this applies to St. Louis city SC. I'm not too sure. Uh, you know, their Academy seems to have been rather aggressive in their recruiting tactics. Well, considering uh, we basically stole all of Gallagher's players. <laughs> hey, that's well, our that's our territory now. Stole. Gallagher is our territory. <laughs> but MLS, but, uh, you know, look at Aaron Hurd, players coming from Chicago, things like that. Uh, you know, I, I personally think that uh, it should be sort of a free-for-all. If you're going to invest, and this rule was instituted a long time ago when MLS clubs neither had the cash or willing to do anything with youth development and the academy. That has changed 100% in the last five years. It is time for this rule to go away and uh, let the kids choose where they want to go. Famously, North Carolina was open ground. Isn't that where Busio's from? Isn't that how he got in the SKC Academy? That That is in fact where he came from. Uh, Las Vegas right now is free and open territory for the picking, which that could change. So the rule needs to be revamped because it's just, it's not good for the kids, to be quite honest. They stuck going somewhere with the, that doesn't invest with their academy, is not ambitious in youth development. And because you grew up in that city, you're stuck in that academy. That doesn't seem too wise. Yeah, no, you end up kind of shackled to wherever your territory is, which you could get lucky and end up in SC Dallas, or who knows what could happen to you. And that's through no fault of your own, and it has nothing to do with your playing ability or anything else. It's just, well, that's where you were born, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So, I think that's about all we got for MLS Next Pro, which is about as much as we've ever had. About MLS Next Pro. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the uh, most we've talked about the league since the league started. 
Uh, Ali Curtis on the podcast was talking about how halfway through their inaugural season, they're happy with the way it's going, but there's still a lot of work to do. Any observers, and here in St. Louis, we're probably the most interested observers of the league. Uh, yeah, we know there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. No, I mean, like, overall, like, the, the product I, I enjoy. Um, I just wish that the ways to watch and follow it worked better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't know if Apple TV is going to improve that or make it less accessible. Uh, we'll just have to find out. Uh, but that's all we've got regarding uh, City SC and MLS Next Pro news for this week. One final word. There was an interesting development for the U.S. women's national team this week, wasn't there, Mason? Yeah, the uh, the women's national team has been competing in the CONCACAF W Championship, and they have won their group. First place overall in Group A. Um, they had previously qualified um, for the Women's World Cup, shocking to nobody, after they beat Jamaica and then Haiti beat Mexico, guaranteeing them a top two spot. But now they are off to the semifinals against Costa Rica on the 14th um, to compete for a spot to the Paris Olympics. The winner of the W Championship will automatically get a berth to the Olympics. And then the second and third place teams will compete in a playoff for the second spot. Uh, Yeah, CONCACAF did this with the U-20s for the the men's side of uh, the competition uh, combined both the World Cup and Olympic qualifying in one tournament. Seems the way it's going forward because of the overpacked schedule for soccer players. Uh, it's about the only way they can really fit it in now when you add in League's Cup, which used to, t- which has basically taken away friendlies and added a counting competition. There's not a lot of space left to add all these tournaments in. And with clubs playing in various tournaments, expansion of, you know, CompCAF Champions League, the upcoming uh, competitions between Liga MX and uh, MX and uh, MLS next season, the expansion of that. There's not a lot of room left on the schedule to add more. So they're starting to combine qualification. And if you're like the Mexico women in this case, you have bad tournament. They got no points. You're out. Not just out of the World Cup or the Olympics. You're out of them all. Gold Cup, all of it, gone. In one tournament. Uh, Tough stuff. But that's the wave of the future. You know, everybody wants to see soccer year-round, but there has to be some sort of limit. You just can't keep piling on. Or if you do, then you're just getting tournaments of second- and third-tier teams, which nobody really cares about, so... Uh, there's a limit to everything, and all good things must end. I don't know. What do you think, guys? Should we go ahead and wrap this up? And uh, for the rest of you looking for our usual MLS roundup, well, we got a special for you. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, we're going to split off and do a throw-in episode this uh, coming Friday where we're going to cover everything in MLS. It's Heineken Rivalry Week. And can't miss that sponsor. <laughs> uh, and it this past weekend really lived up to it. Uh, we wanted to give it the coverage it really needs because it was as wild a weekend as I've ever seen in MLS 
And that's a statement. Yeah, so stay tuned if you want to hear our thoughts on a wild and wacky MLS weekend. (laughs) But for this show, I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. We thank you so much for listening. Bye for now.